0: Praise the Lord, hard to know what to say at times like this But I do want to just encourage us And I want to share something with us Just We're on the theme of uh, Scripture Of comfort in times of trouble And uh, one of the things I've learned in ministry I love the times of great blessing Times when you're on the mountaintops Times when things are well There's also other times Times of distress, times of difficulty Times of pressure Everyone faces those And in those times, what you do qualifies you to be enlarged in your next season I, have, I firmly believe in that I believe uh, as I walk through difficult times that God is watching my response and watching your response and we at a time like, uh, of pressure and difficulty and distress can make decisions that shift us in our capacity for the Lord and That's what we read last week, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 Blessed be the God of our, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation And here's the redeeming factor You notice that he says God comforts us God helps us When we're in pressure, when we're in time of difficulty There are some things happen Number one, we tend to lose God's perspective When you get your eyes focused on difficulties and problems You often lose the sight of what God is doing I believe firmly in the midst of every difficulty When you face your difficulty, lift up and say God what are you doing and how would I respond? Second thing that tends to happen in difficulties is isolation We tend to get disconnected, isolated And the third thing is we usually try and find destructive ways of resolving pain that we feel The Bible tells us God is tender and compassionate, and He extends in a very real way comfort to us, and He has a purpose so that you will be qualified to comfort others in all of their trouble So whatever your situation, for some coming today, they're in a place that's great and positive and they're seeing blessing and great things, others at the extreme other end of the scale, in turmoil and emotional stress It doesn't matter where we are, what God wants to do is put something into us that we can then transmit and pass on to someone else And uh, We saw a verse that I looked at last week, we looked at the whole issue of comfort and what comfort is, and we realised it's not just putting an arm around someone and making them feel better or helping heal the emotions The word comfort in the Bible, and the Bible says God is a God of comfort, means literally this, He calls us near to Him. The second aspect it means is, He comes near to us. So you can imagine if Bryden was in a place of of difficulty, distress, and all the pressures are on him, and his vision is clouded, and there's all kinds of difficulties, God, the, the word comfort means, calls Him to come near. So that his perspective can be shifted, and he can feel that God is with me in the midst of the difficulty. It's why David said in Psalm 23, "Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I refuse to be afraid because God is with me." the idea? And so, comfort means that. Now, I want us to have a look in Acts chapter four. And uh, Acts chapter four, every believer is called to comfort or to exhort or stir others. And uh, it tells us. In Hebrews it says, "Let us exhort one another." Okay, I want you to have a look at the scripture here because this is a classic one. It's about a person uh, in the Bible, and uh, you know sometimes when you think of people in the Bible who are important, you come up with names like David, and come up with Moses, come up with all kinds of names, and come up with Paul, some of the apostles. But this man is mentioned more than ten times in the New Testament, almost more than every other apostle except Paul and Peter, he is mentioned in a whole number of ways, and I want you to see why the Holy Ghost takes time to actually draw attention to this man, because there's something we need. God wants us to learn from this We read in Acts, let's see if we can find it in Acts chapter 4, verse 34, right at the very end And it says, uh, (coughs) verse 34, there was no one among them who lacked, for all who possessed lands and houses sold them And bought the proceeds of the things that were sold And laid them at the apostles' feet And they distributed to each as everyone had need Here it is, verse 36 Joseph or Joseph Who was also named Barnabas by the apostles Which is translated son of encouragement Or son of comfort Son of exhortation Having land, sold it and bought the money And laid it at the apostles' feet But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira His wife sold and kept back part of the money you don't read the next part, you miss the importance of this part This guy Barnabas, we, we know his name is Barnabas Let me tell you, the, this man was nicknamed How many have had a nickname in your life? Usually the nicknames that people give you are not very derogatory, they're usually derogatory aren't they? And So big ears, or flat foot, or you know, big whatever Usually when people give you a nickname, the nickname they give you is quite derogatory and you spend years trying to get over it, and are quite sensitive about that issue afterwards but the apostles saw in this man, Barnabas, they saw in this man, Joseph, something that said, we want to call you by this name, because this is the kind of person you are. So the, they gave him a nickname, and he became known throughout the Bible by this nickname. His original name, his real name was Joseph or Joseph, but they said, we're not going to call you Joseph anymore, because we see something is in your life, and something manifests through you that is so remarkable, we want to identify you by that, and so they said, we're going to call you Barnabas The name Barnabas means, literally "bar," son, Nabus is the word prophecy Prophecy is for encouragement, and building up, and exhortation But then, in case you thought he was just a prophetic person, which I believe he was and more, they actually interpret it, and they say, which means by interpretation, Son of comfort, son of consolation or son of comfort. Now, this word comfort is the exact word Jesus used when he described the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus is leaving in, Acts chap- in uh, John chapter 14, he said this. He said, I go, but he said, I will not be orphaned or alone or abandonment, but I will send to you another comforter. Now, that word comforter, that's the word... Uh, to call near, to exhort, to stir, it's the name given for the Holy Spirit And so when you call out upon the Holy Spirit, you're calling upon the Comforter, the one who calls us near, and the one who comes near to us, to help us, strengthen us in times of difficulty Now get this, they name a guy after the Holy Spirit They name this guy uh, they didn't call him the Holy Spirit, that would be dishonouring to the Holy Spirit What they did was they used the very name that describes the work of the Holy Spirit He is the Comforter, and they used this to say, this guy is the son of the Comforter This one shows what the Holy Ghost looks like when he's working to bring help to people who are in distress That's why this guy's so important, and you'll find. He was an incredibly influential person in the New Testament, far more than you realise And When you look into his life, and you actually look at Barnabas, you see this is what it means to be a comforter of people If we just try and give you a definition It's just hard to get it, but when you look at this person, literally, his name is literally the son of the comforter This man we see actually shows us exactly what the work of God is like What it looks like to flow and comfort, what it looks like It's not just putting your arm around people It's far more than that So let me just give you a few things about the guy, that just are helpful Uh, The first thing you notice is, they bring out generosity They contrast them. lots of people gave There were hundreds and hundreds of people gave, but on that day they said, this guy has got a great gift of generosity around him, and they contrast them with Ananias and Sapphira who kept back part, but wanted to look good So what they're saying is this, here's the first quality in him Authentic generosity He just was absolutely generous You know, every one of us can be as generous as we choose to be But he had an authentic generosity There was no trying to present himself as being something There's no trying to make out he's something He was absolutely authentic He cared about people He had a real love for people He was a people person He just loved people, and He cared about them So if you want to be an encourager, one of the things that will become part of your life Or you can build into your life, is generosity towards people Not financial generosity A person who is financially generous will be generous in other ways in their life Generous with their words, generous with their time Generous in all kinds of other ways Here's the second thing that we know about Him It tells us very clearly in uh, Acts 11.24 Now, see, it tells us here He was a good man, filled with the Holy Ghost, and with faith so if you want to be a great encourager, a great exhorter of people, generosity is one of the first things to build into your life, to become a generous person I thank God I've got so many generous people here Here's the second thing, generous with people I mean you go out of your way to make them welcome in your world It means you don't just turn up at church and you just connect with a few nice ones that you know, well done, but that's not generosity Generosity is when you make it your point that you will actually include people in your world beyond your normal group so, you know, it's filled with the Holy Ghost. So we see then, he, he's a spirit-filled guy. He's a man of prayer. He's a man who stayed filled with the Holy Ghost. He's kept his life energized and empowered on the Holy Ghost. That was what made him able to encourage people. That's why I said, this is the son of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the life of God flows in him. There's a river flowing in him. He kept himself in a strong place in prayer. You don't get filled with the Holy Ghost with bad attitudes. You don't get filled with the Holy Ghost when you're cranky. You don't get filled with the Holy Ghost when you're negative You've got to get your mind and your attitudes right And the Holy Ghost fills you and empowers you Get into prayer, get into the Word Second thing is, He's not just filled with the Holy Ghost He was filled with faith You know, so it's so easy to see difficulties and problems It's another thing to come into it and be a faith person Church is called to be faith people Faith people don't ignore problems But they look to see what God is doing And bring a word from God into that situation He was full of faith Some people are full of it, but it's not faith He was full of faith Imagine being known just for those three qualities That you are generous, you're full with the Holy Ghost And have the joy of the Lord operating and flowing in your life And you also impart faith to people Desperate need today in the church Is to have people impart faith to someone else I don't want someone to impart their depression to me Or their negativity to me Or their problems to me I want them to be able to be grounded in the word And connected to God Where actually they're a faith person Faith people speak Faith people talk in a certain kind of way That's what made them an exhorter Because he was full of the Holy Ghost, he had a great heart to people And when he spoke, he spoke words that lifted people's spirit And connected them to the promises of God That's what faith does We have the spirit of faith, we speak what God's word says about our life Remember last week or so ago we had a couple come forward uh, and, And we prayed and spoke God's word over their life And within a week there was an outworking of that in their life we have to learn the value of the word of God. The word of God is what builds your faith. In the Old Testament, a whole generation lost their way because when they faced problems and giants, they complained. But there were two men that said, "The giants are bread for us." It's exactly the same spirit as on David in Psalm 23 when he says, You prepare a table before me in the midst of my enemies What he's saying is I'm surrounded by difficulties that could overwhelm and kill me But Lord, you provide for me something that makes me grow You understand, that's the spirit of faith It speaks, it imparts hope and life to people By redirecting them to the Word of God What a great thing that man is Imparts words of faith I love this guy Barnabas See, so he's filled with faith, filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Spirit of God. And so you notice then at least three areas that you'll find this guy operating. One, you'll find him operating in the church. And everywhere he goes, the church increases. How about that? Because he's got a love for people and believes in them. See, because he's a person of faith, he doesn't just see the difficulties they have He actually sees beyond the difficulties He what opportunities and potential there is So when we look at him We find him mentioned in three kind of contexts One in relationship to the church Building and strengthening the church And then going out to enlarge the church Two in relationship to Paul Three in relationship to John Mark Let me just quickly I won't look at him too much But let me just throw out what, what I saw as I looked at it You'll be amazed Look in Acts chapter 9, 26 Acts chapter 9, Verse 26, it said, Saul came to Jerusalem and tried to join the disciples, and everyone was afraid of him and didn't believe he was a disciple, but Barnabas took him, brought him to the disciples, and declared to them that the Lord, he had seen the Lord on the road, and how he had spoken to him. How about this? So here's the first thing you notice. First thing you see is we've got this guy Paul, and everyone's afraid of him because of what he's like. His reputation is one of murder and mayhem He's killed Christians In fact in that congregation there were people there hurting Because their loved ones had been taken away by Paul They hated him, they were offended by him They were afraid of him But Barnabas saw past the problems Went and talked with him and sat down with him and heard his testimony He got overcome the fear You know the other thing he overcame was worry about what people would think about him you imagine that for, for Barnabas to go to this guy Paul, the murderer of, the, of all these Christians and the persecutor of the church, that was a huge deal, but he went to him, inquired of him and discerned, because he's a Holy Ghost man, the call of God on his life, and so he took him, and he brings the persecutor of the church, he brings the murderer of the church, he brings him into the church fellowship to meet the apostles, and he helps them get reconnected into the church. Now Paul had a great gift on his life, but without connection into the church, he wasn't going to fulfil it, he needed to be connected So a great thing you see in Barnabas's life is he overcomes fear of what people think, he overcomes the fear of losing his reputation, he goes and connects with someone who really needs help to get up on the next journey of his life, and he comes alongside him, and then he brings him to come alongside the other apostles, and this is the man that was going to change everything in the world at that season, and we look at Paul, and we think wow, what a great guy, but I want to have any of stop to think about Barnabas, who connected him, Barnabas connected him, Barnabas connected him, he didn't just connect him, Barnabas did a lot more than that, Barnabas so believed in him, that he helped and worked alongside him, he so believed in him, that you'll find later on in Acts chapter 13, when the Holy Ghost calls the people to go out to missionary work They call, he called Barnabas and Saul, and notice the order, so in Acts chapter 13 verse 2 it's it's Barnabas and Saul, in verse 7 it's Barnabas and Saul, and then Barnabas begins to see the great gift on his life, now this shows the bigness of heart, he realised there was a greater anointing and call on Paul than on his own life, and he allowed leadership of the team to rest and transfer onto Paul. Now, that is a big person That is what an encourager looks like They're not worried about position They're not worried about what people think They're not worried too much about the things that people are saying about someone else They go to them and help them get connected and fulfill their call Discover and find their way forward Now I would think this is one of the most amazing things That Barnabas stepped out of the leadership role And from that point on, it's Paul and Barnabas Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas isn't that amazing? Now that's, that's the act of someone who acts like the Holy Ghost, who's willing to connect to people, encourage them and lift them up, bring them into a relationship, and then empower them to go forward and fulfil their ministry Isn't that amazing? You read a little, I'll just close it now, but you read a little later, how John Mark John Mark was a young disciple, He's one of the apostles, the Gospel of Mark, this is what he did Mark was with Paul and Barnabas, and then the Bible says that the going got real t- tells us that we must realize it must have got tough. Anyway, what happened is Mark quit. I'll just finish with this verse and then we'll just close off. Mark quit on them. And here it is. There was a huge issue over this Mark quitting. Let's have a quick look at it in Acts chapter 15, verse 37. Acts 15 verse 37. Here it is. And so now, verse 37, Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark, but Paul insisted they should not take him with them because he had departed from them, and Pamphylia had not gone to them for the work, and the contention was so sharp, they parted from one another, and Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus Here's what you see here Barnabas saw the potential in Mark, he recognised there was good in him Now Mark had actually quit the job Mark had gone there and quit Now we don't know why he quit He could have quit because he was just homesick wanted to go home, he was quite a young guy He could have quit because he was upset that the leadership transition had taken place, and that Paul was in charge He was a pretty tough man, and a driver, rather than Barnabas Or it could have been that he just was afraid that the work ahead was hard But in the end, what he did was he left, and obviously they didn't approve of him leaving Later on, he got reconnected again, and wanted to go back with them, and Paul said, no way This is a quitter Barnabas said, yes way, because I see he could step back up and recover And so you got two men of God uh, in argument over one another One saying, no, I don't have quitters in my team And the other saying, listen, he's got potential If we believe in him and work with him, we can get him back up on board and get him going He can get through this, and there was a huge contention over this issue And later on you'll find, if you read the story, that what happened is that Barnabas put Mark under his wing, under his arm, he discipled him, he worked with him, he got him back up on his feet, and later Paul writes, and he said, can you send Mark to me he's profitable for me, and for the ministry So this, Barnabas epitomises what exhortation or comfort from a Bible perspective looks like It's a person filled with the Holy Ghost, who's got faith in their heart to believe God can do great things in people, and in his own life It's a person who's got a generous heart, and it's a person who loves people, and includes them When everyone wanted to exclude Paul he included him, and gathered him up, and got him engaged in ministry That is the work of the church, that's everyone's work When Mark failed, Barnabas put his arms around, came alongside him and said Mark, I know you quit on us, but you know what, I still believe in you Come on, you can get over this, I forgive you, let's get you going again And got him back going. That is the work of encouragement, when people fail to come around them, help them back up on their feet, get them re-engaged in the work of God And this is what the Bible says, in, and I'll finish with this verse, Hebrews 3. Verse 13, nothing it is. It says, exhort one another daily. In other words, become a Barnabas. Father, we just thank you for your word to us. Thank you, Lord, you encourage us and lift us. We pray for the spirit of encouragement to come upon every person in this church. Just as we close our eyes, I want to ask you just a couple of questions. Are you full of the Holy Ghost? What's stopping you? Are you full of faith? What's blocking it? Are you generous, what's hindering you? Do you include people, or do you exclude them? Do you, don't worry about what people think, but you go to people anyway, and find a way to connect them Are you a person who can see past people's failures, and believe the best, and pull them up to function? You are a son of encouragement Father I just pray that that ministry of encouragement would flow through every believer in Bay City today in Jesus' mighty name in Jesus' mighty name Once want you to determine in your heart that this week you're going to start to become an encourager of people that that is your ministry it's the ministry of every believer an encourager and builder of people let's do it let's do it together let's look for the opportunities like Jonathan did he went to David connected with him in his difficulty and pain spoke the word and lifted his faith and then stood with him while he recovered this is the work of the comforter this is what comfort looks like and it's something we can all do amen amen why don't you pray for the person next to you bless them if you don't feel comfortable praying that's fine let someone pray for you